0: Hi, my name is Minda Hartz, and I'm your host of Secure the Seat, your weekly podcast that helps women of color secure their seat at the table. It's not about getting your seat and being the only one, it's about getting there, securing your seat, and bringing other women of color along for the ride with you. Um, Sometimes we are the only one, but we don't have to be the last one. And I think we have to realize that and we have to get out of this scarcity mentality. For so long, the narrative has been there's only x amount of seats for women and then the underlying layer is there's really only hardly any seats for women of color but we are rewriting this narrative no longer are we subscribing to the angry black this the feisty that the docile this we are not doing that and i'm feeling so inspired because we're in march now and it is women's month and so obviously uh, as a woman uh, i it's my month every day. I hope you feel the same way. But I love that, uh, I guess in the U.S. anyway, we highlight uh, March um, as such. But I just want to say thank you for tuning in each week to support Secure the Seat. It means so much to me. Um, Last night, I was having dinner with a good friend and who's another entrepreneur and doing really amazing things in the space that she's in. And we were just talking about how this work that we're doing is just so important and, <clears throat> and how it's important for us to make sure that we do not let ego get in the way. Because it's very easy when you start to get a little buzz or you get a little traction or you get a little press that sometimes people forget what got them there in their why And it's really important that we continue to remember the reason why we started it, the reason why we do it. And I'm just so thankful for each of you for tuning into the podcast, for being a subscriber at uh, the company I run with my co founder, The Memo. If you have not gone there, you can go to myweeklymemo.com. And then also, you all know that I have a book available for pre order. So please go wherever you like to buy books and pre order that book. Make this. My book is called The Memo, (laughs) What Women of Color Need to Know to Secure a Seat at the Table, and I'm really proud of this book. Um, I'll be honest and tell you that it's also this part of being vulnerable, right, and that's very sometimes hard to do. And But what I hope happens is that we push this out there so that people, not just women of color... And black women get this book, but also those who are not of color, those who are managers, those who are leaders, um, and talk about these ugly truths in the workplace that have been barriers to entry for women of color. And I want to see this book um, do well. And pre-orders is very much part of that lists. You know, you often hear the bestsellers list, and pre-orders are really, really important for that. So if you rock with me, if you want to see our legacy shine bright like a diamond, then please go and support that book and tell your peeps to do that as well. Again, you can go wherever you like to buy books and do that. So thank you so much. And also lastly, for those who have gone and left ratings or reviews, thank you so much. And I apologize in advance because um, I've been ripping and running in these streets and uh, I feel like my voice is kind of going out. And so I'm not going to make this too much about me right now because I have a really awesome guest, um, Veronica Armstrong. She's the head of marketing at Mayflower Ventures. And I definitely want you to go to the show notes at mindaharts.com and make sure that you connect with her. And she's just a super dope woman. Um, We are internet friends, uh, but in my mind, we're friends in real life. (laughs) And uh, She's been so dope. I mean, she was one of the first people to pre-order my book and Um, we've connected on these internet streets and I've met some of the most generous, intelligent women I know on the internet. And I'm so thankful for a community that you can find. So if you live in a city where you're like, man, I don't know any other women of color that are doing what I'm doing or, you know, aspiring to the the levels that I want to aspire to, find us on the internet. You know, you, we are there, you are there, we want to connect. I'm most active on Twitter, so find me there, at Minda Hearts, and let's get into today's episode. It's all about quantifying your worth. Veronica, welcome to Secure the Seat. How are you? Great. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm excited about our conversation. Same,
1: me too. I'm really looking forward
0: to this. Awesome. Well, tell our listeners a little bit more about you.
1: I'm currently head of marketing at Mayflower Venues. What we do is we provide couples with non-traditional wedding venues that we enhance with online planning tools. So what that means is, if you're super tired of going to the same wedding over and over again during wedding season, it, makes it really easy to have a wedding at a farm, a barn, a cranberry bog, and any place that you can imagine. So I'm having a really great time doing that.
0: That sounds like fun. Um, I. Recently, had a friend who got married at a in a barn, um, and it was so beautiful. I hadn't. I would have never imagined it would have been that way. They can be absolutely incredible. Um, so I guess because I'm
1: a little bit more than what I do for work, right? I love startups. This is my second startup in less than five years. But I'm also a mother to an eight and a nine year old who are the most delightful humans in the world. My husband is also fantastic. he has been really helpful during the startup journey and. When I'm not working, I'm usually doing something very boring, like reading or eating too much. But one thing I'm super <laughs> passionate about is mentoring younger women of color.
0: Awesome. We need more women like you out there because, as you know, securing our seat is bringing others along with you. So I am excited that you told us a little bit about those intersections of your life. And one thing I wanted to talk to you about is quantifying your worth and In your opinion, what does it mean to quantify your worth as a woman of color?
1: Yeah, so I don't know how controversial this will be, but I believe that quantifying your worth, quantifying your worth, from my definition, is assigning quantitative value to your output, So as an employee, you bring so much more to the table than the financial benefits that you deliver to your employer, right? Whether that's savings or increased revenue, you are more than that as an employee, of course. But if you can't speak intelligently to the growth or the savings that you're directly responsible for or contributing to, it makes it easier for people to undervalue you. So it's super empowering to see the hard facts and numbers right there on a piece of paper that people can't argue with, right? So if somebody's trying to say to you, hey Veronica I really think you struggled last quarter I, I that maybe I did but there would be an interesting conversation there because I would have at the ready my little document where I'm like oh that's interesting because it looks like I drove two million of the four million revenue here and it looks like I was responsible for 60% of our repeat which um, ret- ret- me, mean, our repeat customer rate whatever metric applies to you in your role you just really need to know it and you know not to be super cynical about it or to have a, a negative perspective because it's also very empowering to see the numbers but I think it's a really great protection mechanism for when people don't have a very solid idea of what good looks like and they try to come at you and tell you you're not crushing it then you just you show them the
0: numbers like actually actually I am that's how I think about it I like that and I think it's so important that we even if it's old school style right jot things down like document documentation I think that sometimes we just kind of go off the cuff sometimes, and we have to remind folks, like, look at, show them the receipts, right? (laughs) Show them what we're doing. Yeah,
1: it's corporate receipt showing, and honestly, it's super empowering, so I iterate on this every year, so this year what I'm doing differently is I'm doing it weekly because what I find is, here's an example, I recently stepped down from a role at another startup and we had an incredible ride, and the company's still crushing it. So I went back to my phone, and I'm like, ooh, let me go back on 2018 and and really just appreciate how far I've come as as a person professionally. And I don't work there anymore. My whole calendar was gone. So I had all these big meetings and special things that I had saved on that calendar, and they were tied to my former employer account. I'm like, ow, what am I going to do? You And not that I'm planning on leaving here or anything like that. But what I did is I created a Google sheet, and now every week I'm going back at the end of the week and being like, what did I accomplish this week? personally and professionally, because life just gets away from you so quickly. And especially when you're in startup mode that you're having a really tough day or when you reflect at the end of the year, just being able to go back and see it in black and white, it feels really great. So it's something I'm very into, if you can't tell.
0: I I hear the passion, I feel the passion. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um one thing that popped into my head though is I know that there's probably some women listening right now and they're like, "You know what? I'm just not there yet. I don't know how to I'm struggling, right? on how to articulate my worth to my employer, to your significant other, whatever it might be, but in this context, um to your employer, what tips would you have for that person that's struggling to do that because not everybody is as vocal as the next person. Right,
1: for sure. So I think if you're in the job hunting
0: state, I think it's really
1: important to demand to know what good looks like. And you can do that in a very kind and innocent way, which is, you know, at the end of this person's first six months on the job, job, what would you want to see? What are the metrics that this person would need need to improve? And can you tell me a little bit about what my predecessor, had done? Like, where did they move the needle? So I think it's most important when you're exploring a new role, because a huge red flag is when someone can't answer that question. Because if they can't tell you, here's what we need to see to know that you're performing, that means that that bar is going to be moved up and down all the time. So you could be crushing it, all of a sudden they could come back and say, actually, we need to do to deliver 80%, whatever it may be. So to get ahead of that and to know that you're entering into an organization that already understands how important it is to align measurable results and goals with every single role in the company, that's the the first tip I have. Think about it before you even take a job because if they can't answer that for you, if nobody there can answer that for you, it might not be a good fit. So that's your first. When you're already there, I think asking a direct manager, so why is the role that you occupy important to them and the business that they lead? From there, what you can do is align as an employee, yourself as an employee to the business metrics that you're impacting so if you're an email marketer for example and your boss is a head of marketing then you can really keep track of your performance on a very granular level right I am making this much revenue per email I am driving this much traffic for my project and you just sort you can either start it yourself or you can ask your boss to do it in tandem with you and be like hey you hired me there's something you really need me to do how do we know that I'm doing a good job? And if they're not helpful, and a lot of times they won't be, go get those numbers yourself because there's industry standards, right? If you're an email marketer, you know open rates matter and all that other stuff. If you are a content marketer, you know that the time people spend on the page is really important, how much your content is shared, how many inbound leads are coming because of what you wrote. So. I don't ever like to misrepresent it and say that it's the easiest thing in the world to do. But the thing that's really cool is you can attack it from a variety of ways. And worst case scenario, reach out to me. I'm all over the place online and I'm happy to help.
0: I love those tangible and practical examples of how to do that. And I will make sure that your contact information is in the show notes so that people can connect with you and ask for some extra sauce if they need it. (laughs) I really love those practical and tangible examples that you gave. And I'm wondering if there was ever a time in your career when you had a position yourself for power to negotiate and market yourself, because it sounds like, you know, you are in the driver's seat of your career, but I imagine that it was a journey to get there.
1: Yeah. So I'm, I'm a super transparent person and I know that's easier to say than for people to really truly believe it until they get to know you, but hopefully people can hear that in this interview. I keep it fairly real. I struggled with that a lot. So I am a much better advocate for other people than I am myself. And it's a consistent problem I've had throughout my career and probably my life. Like you you can get away with a lot when it comes to me, but if I see you treating someone else badly, I'm like up and arms. So what that means is I was an incredible advocate for my colleagues and my direct reports and not always the best advocate for myself. So there was a startup I, I worked at, and I thought that I was the obvious choice to lead a business line because I had led the effort for the business in the absence of the defined leader, and it turned out I wasn't. And I was, when I say super upset, like this, I'm not even a cry. I was like a hysteric every weekend. It, it was I was really emotional about it, and I, I was passively expecting the opportunity to be extended to me because it was just so obvious right it was like this was failing i took it on i grew it i grew it again i'm crushing it why do i have to grovel and 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 tell you what i want the numbers like give it to me right but that's just not how it works but i was super upset so it was just like just a very unproductive situation and a colleague said you need to be clear and direct regarding your expectations and ambitions so i stepped out of my comfort zone and i did it i was very clear and i said My boss said, well, what do you want? And I said, I want that job. It's my expectation that that will be my job. And I'm literally the best positioned person I believe in the world to do that job. So let me get it. (laughs) And the role was extended to me. And it was one of the best career moves I've made to date. And it was just an incredible experience from startup building and business line um, perspective. And I, I really enjoyed it. But I'm never going to position myself as this person that's just a wonderful self-advocate, right? It's something that I have to consistently work on. It's not always comfortable. It's very comfortable to talk and give people advice and to get really uplifted when you see people taking your advice, putting it into practice and having wins for themselves. But I do do consistently struggle with advocating for me. And so that would be the last time that I really had to do it. Um, I would say being in the startup world, though, I very much do have to understand the value that I bring, because I'm just not an obvious, I would say I'm not an obvious winner, right? Here, we've got a lot of, mm-hmm. went to the same business school, we know the same DCs. we look the same way, we go to Nantucket together every summer, whatever that group is doing, I'm very often the opposite. So for me, I know that I crush it. I know what the business value that I deliver is. and So I think my confidence on just myself as the employee and the talent has grown as a result of that because it's become sort of a show and prove. It's like, well, you know what I've done, Google it, take it or leave it. I'm not going to run off and go to Harvard and get an MBA just to make you feel comfortable. Um, and that's not because I don't value that stuff. My husband's an MBA. It's just that I'm a very different candidate. And I'm, I think I've got my power from leaning into that. So it's a very long-winded way of saying, I love helping other people do it. I'm good at it. It comes naturally to me. I still have to work on it for me. Being clear and direct actually paid off for me. Um, but there's also an element of knowing that you're really good at what you do and not letting anybody forget it.
0: Yeah. That, preach, preach, preach. I, I love that. I think it's important. Well, first off, I appreciate your vulnerability about it because I think many of us as black and brown women, uh, women of color, we are better at being advocates for other people. So I'm glad that you pointed that out when we need to be advocating for them and for us. Right. And so I, I'm glad that you exactly. talked about that. And, and I'm in the same boat with you. It took a long, long time before I was I was pretty much like forced to advocate for myself, but <laughs> that probably pushed me into it. And sometimes we have to, when we realize that there may be no one else that will do it for you. And so thank you for sharing. And I'm sure that that, that resonates with a lot of women out there. So if you are one of those who hasn't quite found their, their muscle to advocate, I hope that you take little steps to advocating for yourself. Yes. Yeah.
1: or if you're not there yet, women like men people like me we will do it for you until you're comfortable doing it yourself also build your community so when you can't do it yourself because you're too intimidated or too hurt somebody will do it for you
0: i love that i think that's good i don't know that we lean on each other enough to be that that success partner so i'm glad that you that you mentioned that thank you
1: yeah, I think it can be hard for people because well, women say to me, like, well, I just assume you're so busy and this and that. And it's like, yeah, I'm busy. So are you? Whatever. This is important because if you don't advance and, and there aren't opportunities created for you, how are leaders like me going to have an amazing talent pool to, to grow from? So you're helping me, too, right? Just don't be shy. Just ask for what you need and you'll be surprised at how people are responding and really happy to help.
0: Yes, to all of that. I love that. And I kind of want to shift gears just a little bit, because I think people would love to hear more about where you work and what you do there and, and tie it into this kind of securing the seat bit. But you're the head of marketing at Mayflower Venues. Have you seen a shift within the wedding industry to become more diverse? And why is that important?
1: Absolutely not. And I'm definitely more of a startup person than a wedding industry person, right? I am here to serve customers. I am here to serve people who are tired of the wedding industry shenanigans. Now, there's definitely some really great things about the industry, but as a whole, I feel like they're paying a lot of lip service to diversity and they're doing the bare minimum because they think it's a trend they need to follow instead of doing the actual work. And I think we're actually seeing that not only in this industry I think we're just seeing this across many spectrums where people are like oh my goodness everyone's talking about diversity let me hire this person and then assign no budget for those efforts right because it is very hard work to do so speaking in general terms about the industry as a whole no i i definitely have not seen a shift i've seen people talking a lot more about it but not actually doing as much as they could however Instead of just being generally upset about the state of the industry, I can only control what's on my plate, which is why I'm so incredibly excited about my role in this company, so our corner of the wedding industry. We naturally attract a broad range of customers for a variety of reasons. But one that really stands out is that since we don't force couples to use any particular vendor, couples are welcome to really unleash their creativity. Okay? And it's, it's honestly a key reason why I joined this company. The standard in the wedding industry is still played out and boring. I mean, I need them to show me something, anything besides the same old. It's so incredibly tired. And this is not a Veronica rant against the wedding industry podcast, so I'll pause there. But it's just people aren't paying attention to their customers, right? And, of course, we have some customers who look like this and some who eat that and are from here. But there is just so much more than that. In the wedding industry, it's just—it seems to just be this group that really caters to one demographic, and it's—it's—it's sad, honestly, because it's just—it's just way less fun, and it's just not good for business. Which is why you see a lot of them—you know—they're constricting, and they're not—they're not doing as well as they could, because you got to listen to your customers. Your customers want what they want, and they want to celebrate in their own way. So. That was a little bit about Mayflower, a little bit about why it's important to me. Um, that is by far one of the most fun parts of the job to me is just learning about our couple's backgrounds and why they make the food and music selections that they do, but also just empowering not only the couples, but the venue owners, the property owners to just not give us off anymore. That's that's a big part of my passion too, is you have these, mm, how do I get it? These wedding conglomerates who charge people money to be listed on a website, And, and there's no real personal service there, right? You don't actually know the struggles that these property owners are having or anything like that. So the other side of what I do besides the couples work is I get to work with normal people who want to preserve their farms, barns, or land. And help them create another income stream while also having these beautiful people getting married on their property. It's just like I feel like the luckiest person in the world. So while the industry as a whole has a long way to go, I couldn't possibly be more excited about making flower venues. So very very fortunate.
0: That's awesome. I I just was as you were talking about it. I at the very end I just thought about how you all are creating seats for other people, utilizing what they already have and helping them get some additional income I think that's really powerful it is it's
1: I just I don't know it's so fun when you can spend your day work I mean it's of course it's very rewarding you help a a bride and a groom and a couple to whomever it is that you're working with sometimes you know obviously with same-sex couples or sometimes it's a groom calling whomever Find a perfect place to get married that will honor their relationship, be respectful of whatever things are most important to them about their culture, their family, or accommodate whatever it may be. That is super rewarding. But when you can tell a venue host, "Hey, you've been struggling to maintain this land because of taxes for years, and now here's a check that you got because I worked super hard and I found these beautiful people, in these wonderful relationships to get married there." Like I just, it feels so good. And I'm sure you know that in the startup world, things can get crazy. And when stuff's not going your way, it can be really easy to just second guess yourself. But when you remember why you're doing it, and you can connect that to all of these human beings, it's so meaningful. So I I love it. It gives me a reason to wake up every morning and and just tackle a really fun new challenge.
0: Awesome. And if anyone's listened to any of the past podcast episode you know i'm a big proponent of knowing your why and sometimes we have to remind ourselves why we're doing it and it's nice to be able to lean on those moments as a reminder and i've really enjoyed our conversation veronica and i know others want to connect with you how can people find you and support you
1: Yeah, so i'm on instagram veronica l armstrong my email is veronica at VeronicaArmstrong.com pretty easy to find. So email me, hit me up on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. My name on Twitter is Veronica, the blog, even though I haven't blogged in forever. That's a long story. Uh, But I'm very responsive. So please do reach out.
0: Awesome. And I'll make sure that your information is in the show notes so people can connect with you. And lastly, uh, part of our bonus questions uh, are two of my favorites and as a lover of grits and rap lyrics i cannot let you leave without telling me what your favorite rap lyric is and why
1: oh my goodness it was so hard to find a clean one okay i got it though so you know that song hated or love it by the game it has some yes. sense on it mm-hmm. my favorite rap lyric in this context is hated or love it the underdogs on top and i'm going to shine homie until my heart stops because i can't i can't think of a person being any more of an underdog in this industry than I am. I'm a first generation American from an incredibly poor, um, I guess what people would call the inner city. I have all of these reasons why I should not be where I am. And not only am I here, I will consistently outperform when people expect me not to. So I, this one like really resonates with me. And I hope a lot of other women out there find power in that same thing. Is just, continuing to do that thing that they said that you can never do and doing it better than everybody around you.
0: Oh, I love that. You know, there's so many great lyrics out there that sometimes I forget and and I was in college during so I'm dating myself maybe uh <laughs> when that song came out and I just remember how much I loved I think it was on one oh six in Park, you know, whatever it was on there. I just I, I just loved it. So thank you for the nostalgia. Like, it like
1: gives you chills. Yeah, it like gives you chills. You're like, okay the game is trash, it's trash. But that song comes on <laughs> It really connects, it connects. And then maybe I just like need to make myself the underdog to like get that extra motivation, whatever. Like maybe other people do think I'm a rock star. It's totally irrelevant. This is where I draw my strength and just like crushing it and doing more than, than what is expected of me.
0: Absolutely, and 50 can be problematic too, but for the sake of the lyric, it's very, there's, there's power in those words. So oh, I really love that. Thank you for, for sharing. And the podcast is called Secure the Seat. What does that mean to you? Secure the seat is a reminder
1: that what I do every day is bigger than me. It means that when I negotiate or fight, depending on the context, what is rightfully mine in the business sense, that I'm doing it to further my own mission of uplifting other women of color. And if you remember what I said earlier, it's easier for me to advocate for others. This isn't to take away from the responsibility that I have to advocate for myself. Securing the seat for me is one of the most important things that I do because much easier for me to do hard things when I know that opportunities and advancement for women of color are on the line. So for me, securing a seat means just get it done, just do it, whatever it is, if it aligns with my personal mission of just making the professional and personal lives of women of color easier. Sometimes you just need to see that someone did it before you to take that leap yourself. And I want to be that model so that maybe it's hard for me, but it's a little easier for everybody who comes after me.
0: I love that. I feel like, uh, what is it, Emerald? And he does like that bam. And that's that's how I have to end it. I love that. <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> Thank love you that. for bringing back bam. And where is Emerald? <laughs> ID, IDK, I'm sure it's somewhere. <laughs> bamming, bamming away. But I appreciate you being on today's episode of Secure the Seat. And I'll, again, make sure that all your contact information is available in the show notes. So thank you.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, Minda.
0: I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Veronica is super dope. Make sure you support her work. Find her on these internets. She was very generous to let you have all of the ways to connect with her. So make sure you do that. You can also go to the show notes at mindaharts.com. Want you to have a really great week. If you are in Austin this weekend, it is South by Southwest, a big uh, tech conference. I will be one of the speakers there. And also, I'm hosting some events and speaking at some other people stuff uh, there this weekend. So if you're in Austin, hit me up. This is a great time to connect with people. Everybody's wandering the streets and going to panels and connecting. So uh, again, the best way to find me is at Twitter at Minda Hearts. And so if you're in South South by Southwest this weekend or you're speaking or something, I'd love to come support you if possible. So let me know. Shoot me a message. I'm actually hosting. Um, a small dinner for women of color Sunday night in Austin. So if you are going to be there, hit me up. I would love to have you there. I would love to meet you. Uh, Also, today is a Wednesday, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, the 6th. On the 7th, I will be speaking at The Atlantic Magazine. They have a summit called Inclusion in the Workplace. And it's going to be live streamed. Uh, Some really amazing speakers talking about the future of work, talking about inclusion in the workplace. I want you to be a part of that conversation. So I just wanted to give you a tip. Um, They will be using a live stream. So if you're able to do that, make sure that you chime in there and again, have a great, great week. I'm really vibing to Solange's new album. If you haven't had a chance to check that out, there's a part in there that she just talks about dreams. And I just want to remind you, don't give up on your dreams. Whatever those are, they're yours. And have a great week and I'll see you next Wednesday and keep securing your seat.